Welcome to Mornings with Jesus. This is a live, interactive Bible study where we can connect with Christ and community daily and deeply. Join us every weekday morning at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as we read a chapter of the Bible, pray, and share our reflections. Whether you are joining live or on the replay, I know God will meet you here. I also want to invite you to the Faith Mamas Tribe app. This is a free app where women of faith can connect, be encouraged, and have their faith strengthened. It's the online social space I know you've been looking for. So make sure to do three things before we start. One, subscribe to this channel. Two, share this with a friend. And three, download the app. Trust me, you'll be glad you did. Now let's dive into today's Mornings with Jesus. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Mornings with Jesus. I am so excited to be here with you guys today on this Wednesday morning. Um, and I am just excited. If this is your first time here, hello, welcome. My name is Dominique Young, and I'm excited to be studying the Bible with you. We will be reading Joshua chapter 21 today. So if you are looking for a place to study the Bible along with um, some sisters in faith, then you are absolutely in the right place. But before we jump into that, I want to say good morning to some of my friends that I see here live this morning. Good morning, Latrice. Good morning, Lilith. Good morning, Margaret. Good morning, Bevy. Good morning, Allison. Good morning, Raquel. Good morning, Brenda. Good morning, Natalia. Good morning, Donita. Good morning, Erica. Good morning, Anastasia. Good morning, Joanne. Good morning, Carlina. Good morning, CJ. Good morning, Celia. Good morning, April. Um, good morning. Good morning, Audrey. Good morning, Donna Lanita. Good morning. Good morning to you, wherever you are joining in from. It might be morning. It might be evening. It might be an afternoon. Hello to you. And I'm excited that you are here. Good morning, Roma. Good morning, Brandy. Woohoo. Hey, y'all. I'm excited. All right. You know how we like to do it every morning before we start. We want to start with a time of gratitude. So what are you grateful to God for this morning? What are you grateful to God for this morning? You know what? I am grateful that we have walked through the book of Joshua together. Many of you guys have known throughout this journey that Joshua is one of those books that's particularly difficult for me because there's a lot of war in this book. Um, but it has been just so nice to be able to read it with you all and to be able to like see what you guys are seeing. And, and it's just been helping me to get an even pic bigger picture of God through the book of Joshua. So I'm just really excited. I know we're on Joshua chapter 21. There's only 24 chapters in Joshua. So I'm just really excited to have had the opportunity to study these with you all. Audrey says, I'm so grateful for the activity of my limbs. After having a stroke, I can still move around. God is so good. Amen. God is so good. Yes, he is, y'all. Yes, he is. Amen. Bevy says, I'm so grateful for my husband, James, and our children and grandchildren. That is so awesome. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Erica says, I'm thankful for faith mamas. I'm thankful for you, Erica. Like, I'm just so excited and grateful for each and every one of you guys. Like, 
God is amazing. Anastasia says, great for the undeserved love of God. Woo, come on. Joanne says, I'm grateful for another Wednesday morning. Come on. Another Wednesday morning, yet unlike any that we've ever seen before. Hallelujah. It's a whole new day, and I'm just excited about it. Donnie, this is, I'm grateful to God for yesterday's message. It was critical for my day yesterday, and I'm thankful for the studying and the application of the word. Isn't that amazing? Like, oftentimes we study the word, and God will lead us in a particular direction, and then we'll see, oh, man, I'm glad he led me in that way because I didn't know what was coming the rest of the day and how I was going to actually need to apply this word. God's like, oh, I'm going to give you the word and then I'm going to give you some practice. We're going to practice. Make sure it gets in there deep. <laughs> I love it. Brickell says, I'm so grateful that his mercies are new every day. And even in my struggles, I can still count on him to show up and show out. Hallelujah. Brenda says, I'm so grateful for y'all. We are grateful for you. Salia says, I'm grateful for being able to study the Bible freely. Yes, look. That's why I said um, yesterday, I think I said, hey, let's be grateful for this season that we have together, that we're able to do this. We don't know how long the season will last. There are other brothers and sisters in Christ that could never do what we're doing right now. It would, it would um, cause their life to be in severe jeopardy. So it's just amazing that we're able to study live online. It's amazing that we're able to meet one another in person, have retreats all about the Bible. Like, yeah, I, I say soak it all up, right? Because we don't know like how long this season will last. Will it last our entire lifetime? Will they, we don't know, but let's enjoy it while it's here. Salia says, I'm grateful for being able to study the Bible freely. Yep, amen. Latrice says, I'm so grateful we have God that is rich in mercy. Lord knows I need mercy. Learning to recognize when to extend mercy to others. Amen. Come on. Carlina says, I'm grateful that even though I'm going through some stuff right now, I know where he's brought me from before and he's still the lily in our valleys. I look to him. Come on. I got history with God. I've got history with him. I know he's faithful. Amen. Romans is grateful for the press. I am up and moving. Woohoo! Grateful for the press. Lilith says, I am grateful to God for waking me up this morning to be with you ladies, to study his word with you all. I was really excited when I saw your name, Lilith. I know that um, yesterday you checked out the replay, so I was excited to see you here live. That's awesome. April says, grateful for God's grace. Hallelujah. Can, can I just take a minute to shout out our sister, April? April said at the beginning, look, I'm going to commit. I'm going to be here. And I, I'm telling you, I've seen you, sis. I've seen you. Keep going. Praise the Lord. I'm excited to see what God is doing in your life. Amen. Allison says, I'm grateful for so many things. Life with God is different. I'm grateful to study the word alongside you all and grateful for mornings with Jesus. Me too. Brenda says, I'm great. I'm so grateful for how, for God and how he teaches. Hallelujah. Brandy says, I'm grateful for the past two mornings with Jesus studies of Joshua. The messages have led me to have conversations with my 15-year-old last night, and it went well, ending with, I love you, mom. Oh, that is so beautiful. I love it. Brenda says, amazing. We can study from our bed. Come on, roll over, get your Bible, turn it on and study. So awesome. CJ says, I'm grateful to God for the Holy Spirit for correction and discernment. Hallelujah. Ellen says, grateful for lessons God teaches us. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm just so grateful for all that God is doing in our midst, in and through us. God is so awesome, y'all. 
God is so awesome. And he's doing all of this through the Old Testament, which a lot of times people shy away from. So look at all the amazing things we're learning by pressing into the Old Testament, by leaning in when things don't like, like we're like, wait. I don't even know how this applies to me and leaning in to see God and, and God is continuing to show himself. And I'm just absolutely amazed. Donita says, I'm grateful for Roma and her wisdom. I'm so thankful for this tribe. Me too. Roma's the bomb. Let me tell you. Let me tell you, God put a lot of gifts in that woman. Just to let you guys know, Roma will be one of our speakers for the Faith Moms Retreat. So make sure you guys, uh, I think we got eight tickets left. Oh, it's so crazy to say. Ah, wow. Okay, y'all. Well, we are getting ready to pray. Don't let me stop your praise, but we are getting ready to pray in as we get ready to jump into Joshua chapter 21. And if you still got a praise and you got to let it out, feel free to type it in, shout it out. Let God know that you're grateful. I'm telling you, gratitude really does change and shift the atmosphere. Um, So let's go ahead and pray. All right. Father God, first and foremost, we are so thankful for you. We're thankful for all the things we listed. Lord God, we're thankful for all the things that we didn't list. Lord God, we're thankful for how you show up, how you continue to lead us and guide us, how you um, open our eyes, how you um, draw our hearts to you. We are so grateful for what you're doing in our lives, Lord God, how you're continuing to soften our hearts, Lord God, how you're continuing to teach us the lessons and give us opportunities to practice, God. We are grateful for you. We're grateful for your methods. We're grateful for what you're doing in our lives. And Lord, we ask that as we prepare to jump into Joshua chapter 21, that you would lead us wherever it is that you want us to go. We want to see you. We want to know you, God. Father, we pray that you would help us to see you through these testimonies of brothers and sisters from way, way past. (laughs) Lord God, we think we're so thankful and grateful for being able to read them, for, for them being preserved over time, over generations. And Lord, we ask that as we dig into Joshua chapter 21 today, you would lead us because God, where you lead, we will follow. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise. We ask you to have your way in Jesus mighty name. Amen. 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 All right, y'all, we're going to get ready to jump into Joshua chapter 21. If this is your first time reading with us, we read the chapter two times through. The first time, feel free to get like just a picture in your mind and what's going on here. The second time, take out your pens, your highlighters, feel free to take notes in the margins or in your journals. Um, Yeah. And let's jump in together. Here we go. Joshua chapter 21. I'll be reading from the CSB translation. You can feel free to read from whatever translation you have available to you. Joshua chapter 21. The Levite family heads approached the priest Eleazar, Joshua, son of Nun, and the family heads of the Israelite tribes. At Shiloh in the land of Canaan, they told them, The Lord commanded through Moses that we be given cities to live in with their pasture lands for our livestock. So the Israelites, by the Lord's command, gave the Levites these cities with their pasture lands 
from their inheritance. The lot came out for the Kohathith clan, the Levites who were the descendants of the priest of Aaron, received 13 cities by lot from the tribes of Judah, Simeon, and Benjamin. The remaining descendants of Kohath received 10 cities by lot from the clans of the tribes of Ephraim, Dan, and half the tribe of Manasseh. Gershon's descendants received 13 cities by lot from the clans of the tribes of Ishakar, Asher, Nephtali, and half the tribe of Manasseh and Bashan. Marie's descendants received 12 cities for their clans from the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and Zebulun. The Israelites gave these cities with their pasture lands around them to the Levites by lot as the Lord had commanded through Moses. The Israelites gave these cities by name from the tribes of the descendants of Judah and Simeon to the descendants of Aaron from the Kohathith clans of the Levites because they received the first lot. They gave them Karath Arba, that is Hebron. Arba was the father of Anak with its surrounding pasture lands in the hill country of Judah but they gave the fields and settlements of the city to Caleb, son of Jufune, as his possession. They gave to the descendants of the priest of Aaron, Hebron, the city of refuge for the one who commits manslaughter with its pasture lands, Libna with its pasture lands, Jatar with its pasture lands, Eshtoma with its pasture lands, Holon, with its pasture lands, Debir with its pasture lands, Ain with its pasture lands, Judah with its pasture lands, and Beth Shemesh with its pasture lands. Nine cities from these two tribes. From the tribe of Benjamin, they gave Gibeon with its pasture lands, Gibba with its pasture lands, Anatoth with its pasture lands, and along. Almon with its pasture lands, four cities. All 13 cities with their pasture lands were for the priests, the descendants of Aaron. The allotted cities to the remaining clans of Kohath descendants, who were Levites, came from the tribe of Ephraim. The Israelites gave them Shechem, the city of refuge for the one who commits manslaughter with its pasture lands in the hill country of Ephraim. Gezer with its pasture lands, Kibzam with its pasture lands, and Beth Horan with its pasture lands, four cities. From the tribe of Dan, they gave Eltake with its pasture lands, Gibithon with its pasture lands, Ijalon with its pasture lands, and Gathramon with its pasture lands, four cities. From half the tribe of Manasseh, they gave Tanakh with its pasture lands, Gathrimon with its pasture lands, two cities. All 10 cities with their pasture lands were for the clans of Kohath, others' descendants. From half the tribe of Manasseh, they gave the descendants of Gershon, who were one of the Levite clans. Golan, the city of refuge for the one who commits manslaughter, with its pasture lands in Bashan, and Beshtira with its pasture lands, 
two cities. From the tribe of Ishkar, they gave Kishon with its pasture lands, Dabirath with its pasture lands, Jarmuth with its pasture lands, and Enganim with its pasture lands, four cities. From the tribe of Asher, they gave Mishal with its pasture lands, Abdon with its pasture lands, Hilkath with its pasture lands, and Rehob with its pasture lands, four cities. From the tribe of Nephtali, they gave Kadesh in Galilee, the city of refuge for the one who commits manslaughter with its pasture lands, Hamoth Dor with its pasture lands, and Kartan with its pasture lands, three cities. All 13 cities with their pasture lands were for the Gershonites by their clan. From the tribe of Zebulun, they gave to the clans of the descendants of Marie, who were the remaining Levites, Joknim with its pasture land, Harta with its pasture land, Dimna with its pasture land, and Nahalal with its pasture land, four cities. From the tribe of Reuben, they gave Bezer with its pasture land, Jaza with its pasture land, Kadimoth with its pasture land, and Mithpath with its pasture land, four cities. From the tribe of Gad, they gave Ramoth and Gilead, the city of refuge from the one who commits manslaughter with its pasture land, Mahanam with its pasture land, Heshbah, Heshbon with its pasture land, and Jazir with its pasture land, four cities in all. All 12 cities were allotted to the clans of Mary's descendants, the remaining Levite clans. Within the Israelite possession, there were 48 cities in all with their pasture lands for the Levites. Each of these cities had its own surrounding pasture lands. This was true for all the cities. So the Lord gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it and settled there. The Lord gave them rest on every side, according to all he had sworn to their fathers. None of their enemies were able to stand against them, for the Lord handed over all their enemies to them. None of the good promises the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. Everything was fulfilled. All right, let's read this chapter one more time. This time, take out your pens, your highlighters, highlight keywords, even if you don't know why it's standing out to you. Here we go. One more time. Joshua chapter 21. The Levite family heads approached the priest, Eleazar, Joshua, son of Nun, and the family heads of the Israelite tribes. At Shiloh in the land of Canaan, they told them, the Lord commanded through Moses that we be given cities to live in with their pasture lands for our livestock. So the Israelites, by the Lord's command, gave the Levites these cities with their pasture lands from their inheritance. The lot came out for Kohath, the Kohathite clans. The Levites, who were the descendants of the priest of Aaron, received 13 cities by lot from the tribes of Judah, Simeon, and Benjamin. The remaining descendants of Kohath received 10 cities by lot from the clans of the tribes of Ephraim, Dan, and half the tribe of Manasseh. 
Gershon's descendants received 13 cities by lot from the clans of the tribes of Ishkar, Asher, Nephtali, and half the tribe of Manasseh and Bashan. Mary's descendants received 12 cities for their clans from the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and Zebulun. The Israelites gave these cities with their pasture lands around them to the Levites by lot, as the Lord had commanded through Moses. The Israelites gave these cities by name from the tribes of the descendants of Judah and Simeon to the descendants of Aaron from the Kohathic clan of the Levites, because they received the first lot. They gave them Karath Arba, that is Hebron. Arba was the father of Anak, with its surrounding pasture lands in the hill country of Judah. But they gave the fields and settlements of that city to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, as his possession. They gave to the descendants of the priest of Aaron, Hebron, the city of refuge for the one who commits manslaughter with its pasture lands, Libna with its pasture lands, Jatir with its pasture lands, Eshtemo with its pasture lands, Halon with its pasture lands, Debir with its pasture lands, Ain with its pasture lands, Judah with its pasture lands, and Beth Shemesh with its pasture lands. Nine cities from these two tribes. From the tribe of Benjamin, they gave Gibeon with its pasture land, Giba with its pasture lands, Anoth with its pasture lands, and Almon with its pasture lands. Four cities. All 13 cities with their pasture lands were for the priests, the descendants of Aaron. The allotted cities to, rem to the remaining clans of Kohath's descendants, who were Levites, came from the tribe of Ephraim. The Israelites gave them Shechem, the city of refuge for the one who commits manslaughter with its pasture lands in the hill country of Ephraim, Gezer with its pasture lands, Kibzam with its pasture lands, and Beth Horan with its pasture lands, four cities. From the tribe of Dan, they gave Elteke with its pasture lands, Gibthon with its pasture lands, Ajalon with its pasture lands, and Gathramon with its pasture lands, four cities. From half the tribe of Manasseh, they gave Tanakh with its pasture lands and Gathramon with its pasture lands, two cities. All 10 cities with their pasture lands were for the clans of Kohath's other descendants. From half the tribe of Manasseh, they gave to the descendants of Gershon, who were one of the Levite clans, Golan, the city of refuge for the one who commits manslaughter with its pasture lands in Bashan, and Beshterah with its pasture lands, two cities. From the tribe of Ishkar, they gave Kishon with its pasture lands, Deborath with its pasture lands, Jarmuth with its pasture lands, and Enganim with its pasture lands, four cities. From the tribe of Asher, they gave Mishal with its pasture lands, Abdon with its pasture lands, Helkath with its pasture lands, and Rehob with its pasture lands. Four cities. From the tribe of Nephtali, they gave Kadesh and Galilee, the city of refuge for the one who commits manslaughter with its pasture lands. Hamoth Dor 
with its pasture lands and Carton with its pasture lands, three cities. All 13 cities with their pasture lands were for the Gershonites by their clans. From the tribe of Zebulun, they gave to the clans of the descendants of Mari, who were, who were the remaining Levites, Jokinim with its pasture lands, Karta with its pasture lands, Dimna with its pasture lands, and Nahalal with its pasture lands, four cities. From the tribe of Reuben, they gave Bezer with its pasture lands, Jahaza with its pasture lands, Kedemoth with its pasture lands, and Mithpath with its pasture lands, four cities. From the tribe of Gad, they gave Ramoth and Gilead, the city of refuge for the one who commits manslaughter with its pasture land, Mahinam with its pasture land, Heshbon with its pasture land, and Jazir with its pasture land. Four cities in all. All 12 cities were allotted to the clans of Marie's descendants, the remaining Levite clans. Within the Israelites' possession, there were 48 cities in all with their pasture lands for the Levites. Each of these cities had its own surrounding pasture land. This was true for all the cities. So the Lord gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give their fathers, and they took possession of it and settled there. The Lord gave them rest on every side, according to all he had sworn to their fathers. None of their enemies were able to stand against them, for the Lord handed over all their enemies to them. None of the good promises the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. Everything was fulfilled. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to read this chapter. We thank you, Lord, that we know that you're guiding us through all of this, that you're leading us even now to the verses and the words that you want to stand out. And Father, we pray that as we move into this time of personal reflection, you would continue to show us you. We have a desire to know you, Lord God, and to be closer to you. So Father, we pray that you would use this personal reflection time, this corporate reflection time to continue to draw us to you. Lord, we love you. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise, and we just ask you to have your way. Where you lead, we will follow. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Let's take a few moments to reflect on Joshua chapter 21, and then we will come back for corporate reflection to reflect together. Here we go.
All right. So this was a lot of fun to read. Um, I want to give a little background before we jump in, but this was awesome, y'all. And it's awesome to me for a couple of reasons, because I've really been just kind of studying out the Levites. However, I want to give a little bit of background before we jump into corporate um, our corporate reflection. So the background here is, if you haven't been reading with us, the Levites are basically the priestly tribe, the priestly tribe. And the Levites, their, um, their portion, they weren't to get land of their own. So like you have Judah has a whole bunch of land of its own. You have, um, you have Benjamin has a whole bunch of land of its own, but the Levite clan, they don't have land. So their land is actually given to them as parts of the land that's already there. I want to pull up a map. I don't know if you guys can see this, but if you see all the little black dots, those were basically where the Levites were. And as you can see, the little black dots are all over the map showing that the Levite, the Levitical, um, the Levites tribe was all spread out as opposed to like Judah. You see Judah all in one place or Reuben. You see them all in one place. Gad, you see them all in one place. Manasseh, you see them all in one place. The Levites were not like that. Their inheritance was God himself. They took care of the tabernacle, the temple. They took care of the things of God. We, we actually find out that they're all the families, the Levitical families and all the males specifically in the family had a rotation of which every two weeks, a different group would take care of the temple. And that was their portion. They did not have land of their, of their own. So in this chapter, we're seeing how God did that and how that land was dispersed throughout all the city or throughout all the, the tribes. And one of the interesting things that we'll notice here is that all of the cities of refuge that we read about yesterday, all of those were inhabited by the Levites. So those were they, they were the main people that lived in the city. And then when the the people came that had committed manslaughter unintentionally, when they came to those cities, it was the Levites that were responsible for taking care of that person, for making sure that the avenger of blood did not come and get that person. So it was the Levites' responsibility. They were the main um, citizens in that area. So, okay, now that we've got that background out of the way, what is standing out to you guys, here we go. Allison said, verse 44, and the Lord gave them rest on every side. Go on. Stood out. And the Lord gave them rest on every side. Matthias is 44 and 45, the same ones where the Lord gave them rest. And then 45 says, none of the good promises the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. Everything was fulfilled. And if we can think back, we realize that these promises were not just made to this generation we're watching. It was made from generations past all the way back to Abraham was the first to get this promise. And now we're generations forward where this part of the promise is actually completely fulfilled. Absolutely amazing. Brandy says the entire chapter, what are pasture lands? The city of refuge stand up. So the pasture lands basically... We have a city where most of the people live and then we have surrounding pasture lands where they, you know, they keep their their animals, agriculture and things like that. So basically the Levites, they got the city, but they also got the surrounding area to be able to keep their livestock and things like that. So they got both, um, which was pretty awesome. Anastasia said none of the good promises that the Lord gave 
failed. Everything came to pass. Now ask yourself, is this a pattern of God that none of his promises throughout scripture fail? If that's a pattern of God, we could put that on his character that he is a promise keeping God. Donnie just said the last three words stood out to me. Everything was fulfilled. Come on. Salia says verse 44 is so comforting. The Lord gave them rest on every side. Latrice says, okay, so there were Levites sprinkled throughout each tribe. Those assigned to serve God were in the midst of all of them. Yes. Yep. They were sprinkled throughout. They had no they had no area of their own, um, but they were sprinkled throughout all the other tribes and they gave them a place to live. Anastasia said, God continues to show us that when he says a thing, it must come to pass. It is not, he is not a man that lies or fails. He's faithful throughout every season and generation. Brickell says the word pasture lands was emphasized in my head every time you said it. I don't know why, but I guess it was just like God. It was just like God didn't just give them cities. He gave them more than enough. Come on. He gave them, he gave them where they needed to live and he gave them what they needed to take care of the animals that they had, right? So he didn't just be like, oh, you can't, you can't take care of. No, no, no. He gave them what they needed. Come on. He gave them what they needed. Lilith says, verse 43 through 45, God does everything and gave them everything just as he promised. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Colina says, yes, Anastasia. Oh my goodness. Yes. And that's the same for us today. He is not a man that he should lie. Allison said, pasture lands reminds me of having space away from people. I'm fortunate in that I'm surrounded by land and can feel such a difference from when I live in the city. I'm grateful daily for this, right? And the Levites got both, right? They got a city and they got its surrounding pasture land. So it's surrounding area. Audrey says, the whole chapter is encouraging to see the promise of God never fails. Let God handle his business when it comes to your enemies. He will fight for you. Hallelujah. Latrice says, amen. Great is thy faithfulness. Says TC says, when they acted in faith, God was faithful to act. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. CJ says, the words provided and fulfill come to mind. Provide and fulfill. Provide and fulfill. Hallelujah. Natalia says, your promise still stands. Come on. Great is thy faithfulness. Bevy says, verse 45, everything was fulfilled. Sometimes in our struggle, we want to give in, but we can take a lesson from the Israelites, how none of the good promises the Lord had made failed. Therefore, we must be patient and trust God. That's our part. Raquel says, just knowing his promises didn't fail gave me courage to rest, gives me courage to rest in them. Come on. Latrice says, they also had to go before Eleazar and Joshua and to the heads of the tribe and state their claim of what God commanded through Moses. They had to act on this. Come on. Romans says, the division of land, some got a little, some got extra, some got nothing, but they were all provided for. God for God is not a God of scarcity. He always has enough. Yes. And can we, okay. I want to go back. I want to really take this back because we keep saying like God's promises are 
or he's faithful to his promise. He will fulfill his promise. Let's go back to watch how this happened. Because remember, this promise was made in Genesis. We are now in Joshua, right? So let's go back. I know we've taken this trip back before, but I just want us to remember. So remember, Abraham was living with his father and his father's his father's children, and they were all living together. And God called Abraham out and said, hey, follow me to a land I will show you. First of all, he didn't even tell Abraham where the land was. So then Abraham leaves everything he knows. So let's remember how this happened. Abraham leaves everything he knows and follows God with his wife and his nephew. Follows God to a land God's going to show him. What land did God show him? God showed him the land of Canaan. So Abraham lived in the land of Canaan amongst everybody else before the land was officially given to his descendants. He already lived there, right? That's this right here where they're living is the land that God brought Abraham to. So he was already living there. It just wasn't his. It wasn't his possession and it didn't belong to his descendants. So God said he's, he promised Abraham not only to have children and nations being blessed through him, he promised him to give him this land, to give him. He said, go and walk out and everywhere you can see it's going to belong to you and your descendants. This is the promise he made to Abraham. Now, did Abraham see this promise with his eyes come to fulfillment while he was walking on earth? No, he didn't. Then Abraham had a promised child, right? So Abraham had a promised child. He he, he actually had a, another child. He had Ishmael, but then he had the promised child with his wife. That promised child then gets married and that promised child and his wife have two sons. And the two sons are Esau and Jacob. Jacob was a trickster. I'm just going all the way back to so we can see how this promise was filled. Jacob was a trickster. He literally tricked his brother out of his birthright and tricked his daddy into blessing him instead of blessing his brother. And it was through this trickster that God began to build the nation of Israel. First of all, that's mind blowing all, all, all together. If you think God can't use you, come on, look at some of the people God used in the scriptures. Jacob was completely a trickster. You would think, nah, God ain't going to use him. He got problems. He's stealing people's blessings and birthrights and stuff. That's who God chose to build Israel through. So then Jacob, like we're talking about the faithfulness of God. Let's see how this goes throughout generations. So right now we're already in the third generation, right? We're already three generations out and still they don't have the land that was promised to Abraham, but they're living in the land, okay? They're living in the land. But then Jacob runs away because he stole his brother's blessing. His brother was trying to kill him. Come on, talk about family drama. This is the family God chose to use. This is the family that God was pouring his blessings through, okay? So Jacob goes on a run for his life because his brother wanted to kill him. He runs, he finds his wife, he falls in love with his wife, but then, but then Leah comes into the picture and he gets tricked into marrying both sisters, two sisters. Come on. So now he got two wives and, and they get in a competition of who can have the most babies. It's crazy. 
Who can have the most babies? I sleep with him this night. You sleep with him this night. It's crazy. But through that craziness, they have 12 sons. Do you see how God is, God is using what the, the foolishness and the drama of humanity to bring us to a promise that he gave to Abraham, right? So now these two women fighting for their husband's affection because there's two of them. And then they start giving their, their women slaves to their husband. So now technically Jacob got four wives. He got four women with their children that he's caring for. So he got 12 sons altogether and a daughter. All right. Then his name, his name got changed to Israel, right? His name got changed to Israel. He got 12 sons. And guess what? He really loves this one. What is his name? Joseph. He really loves Joseph. Why? Because he was born of his wife that he really, really loved. So he has the son he loves. And, it's, and all these other brothers are jealous of this son. Where do they live right now? They live in Canaan, right? They came back. Jacob came back to his father's hometown and they live in Canaan. What is Canaan? Canaan is the city that God promised Abraham. They live there already. It's just not theirs yet. So then Joseph is hated by his brothers. But little did Joseph know that, have, that his brothers hating him was part of God's plan. See, this is, this is the thing. We talk about the faithfulness of God, but then we don't see how God uses the foolishness of man to get to, a, to accomplish the thing that he was already promised Abraham. So his brothers hated him so much so that they threw him into a well. Actually, they wanted to kill him. And then one of the brothers said, no, 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 let's not kill him. He's still our brother. So they threw him in a well. Then they saw some Ishmaelites. Who were the Ishmaelites? That was Abraham's other son. They saw some Ishmaelites driving by and they were like, we'll just sell them to the Ishmaelites. They sell them. Then the Ishmaelites sell them again. He goes into slavery. Then from slavery, he gets falsely accused and ends up in prison. But guess what? It was all part of God's plan. Remember, God made a promise to Abraham. So then Joseph is in prison. Whose prison? Pharaoh's prison. Ah, he's in Pharaoh's prison. What happens? Eventually, Pharaoh has a dream, calls Joseph out to prison. Joseph becomes second in command of Egypt. Woohoo! But God didn't give the Israelites Egypt. So what is God doing here? Eventually, the famine gets so bad that Joseph's family ends up leaving Canaan, the land that was promised to them, leaving Canaan and settling where? In Egypt. It was in Egypt that they grew and grew and grew. And they grew so big that they became a threat in the eyes of the Pharaoh. And then Pharaoh put them in slavery. I just want us to see the faithfulness of God. I want us to see the fact that God used foolishness, that God used drama, that God used pain, that God used whatever he needed to use to get the promise fulfilled that he gave to Abraham. So now they're in Egypt. I mean, if we think about it, now they're in Egypt. They get enslaved. They're in slavery for 400 years. This is something he also told Abraham was going to happen. They're in slavery for 400 years. Then God comes. 
God delivers them from slavery. They go into the wilderness. In the wilderness, they have a lot of grumbling and complaining, but God is faithful. And eventually that generation is like, we don't trust God enough to go into the promised land. God said, fine, I'll use your next generation. I'll use the kids that are kids right now. So they spent 40 years until all that generation died out, except for Joshua and Caleb. Then they go in that next generation, they go in and they fight for the land. And they fight for the land, and then now they're inhabiting the land. And I, I want to show this because a lot of times we think that the faithfulness of God is some linear path that's super comfortable. We, we get it in our mind that, oh, yes, God is so faithful, and this is going to be a linear path. Come on, this path to the promise involved Abraham messing up, involved the trickster, involved somebody getting thrown into a well, going to prison, falsely accused, involved 400 plus years of slavery. It wasn't linear. There was nothing linear about it that was super comfortable. Nothing. Nothing. And now we're jumping up and down like, woohoo, God fulfills his promise. But don't forget how the promise was fulfilled. We're over here, at least me, I'm over here trying to take an eraser to my life and erase all the things that I feel like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish that hadn't happened and all that stuff. Not realizing that based on how God does things, he doesn't waste anything. Nothing. He wastes nothing. He wastes nothing. He gave the promise to Abraham and there was a whole lot of foolishness that happened after that and God used it. God used all of it and now we get to the place where it's like, and he fulfilled all the promises. And he fulfilled all the promises that he made to Abraham generations before. And Abraham didn't see the promises. Abraham didn't see them with his own eyes. The one that he did see was he got his the promised child. He got the child from his wife. But all the other stuff he didn't see. And, and, you know, it's easy to be like, oh, man, I wish Joseph never went, never got sold into slavery. But look, if he never got sold into slavery, then the if we're honest, the famine would have killed that family. Do you understand? Joseph had to go into slavery in order to be thrown into prison in order to get audience with Pharaoh so that he could, remember, nobody else could interpret his dream, so that he could interpret Pharaoh's dream so that the entire family would be saved. If this famine had taken place and there was nobody 
there that could interpret Pharaoh's dream, the famine would have wiped out everybody. They said it was so bad and it lasted for years, but because Joseph had seven, they said seven years of plenty, seven years of lack. The famine lasted seven years, but Joseph for the seven years of plenty was storing up. He didn't know that he was storing up for his family to survive. So what happened was his family, you see all of this? So we want to write out the painful parts and God's like, no, 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 that I'm going to use that. We want to erase the painful parts of our life. We want to erase the fact that, that, that our family rejected us. No, no, no. God says, no, no, no. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. We want to erase the fact that all this, even the brothers, the brothers wanted to erase the fact that they were mean to Joseph. They were like, oh, we're so sorry. And Joseph was like, look. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. Like, don't worry about it. They wanted to erase that and pretend like they ain't never done it. No, you did it, but guess what? God used it. You can't erase it. It's life. God used it. We want to erase history. We want to erase all the things that are uncomfortable. And God's like, whoa, whoa, but I'm going to use that. I'm going to be faithful to my promise, but don't think that the way that God is going to be faithful to his promise includes our comfort, because that's not always the case. Very rarely is it the case. Very rarely is it the case. Allison says, who the summary was not quick. This took years. Come on, Ye generations. But he used all of it. It took generations, generations. So we counted from Abraham to his promised child, to his promised children's children, to his to his promised children's children, children, and then plus 400 years on top of that. And then plus the 40 years in the wilderness. You're talking about a lot of generations here. You're talking about a lot of family drama. And now we get to the part where we're like, woo, God's faithful. God keeps his promises. Yes, he does. But it's up to us to continue to trust him. Not, and our trust in him, like, get this, get this. Oh, goodness. Thank you, Lord. Our trust in him doesn't determine whether or not he uh, He fulfills his promise. Because, come on, the, the children that were in the wilderness, the original people, they didn't trust God. And God's like, fine, I'll use your children, your children, not you. God's like, I'm still going to do what I promised. It's whether or not you're going to see it. I'm still going to do what I promised, though. Come on. Bevy says, verse 45, everything was fulfilled. Sometimes in our struggle, we want to give in, but we can take a lesson from the Israelites, how none of the good promises of the Lord have, have failed. Therefore, we must be patient and trust God. That's our part. Come on, baby says, praise God that nothing we go through in life is a, um, as a part of our journey, nothing is wasted. God uses it all. Sometimes I wonder, like, I'm like, God, man, you put in, like, you didn't even just make the, the Bible, like some fancy picture of perfection. You put in all the foolishness of humanity and God's like, yeah, because I'm going to use that. Whew. Come on, hallelujah. I'm going to, God's going to use it all. Nothing wasted. 
nothing wasted. Donita said, my God, help me. If my foolishness is a way to allow my child to get a promise of God, then so be it. I trust your plan, Lord. You are faithful father. Come on. Woo! Natalia says, the enemy tries to get us to believe that when we mess up, that somehow changes God's mind. Come on, y'all, we have read Aaron, help them make the golden calf and still sat in the seat of the high priest. God is like, look, I don't think for a moment that you're messing up and your mistakes somehow stop what God said. God said, if I said it, that's, that settles it. She says, God is faithful through it all, even when we're not. Our God is so good. This is a character trait of God that we see throughout. Anastasia says, I've still got joy and chaos. I've got peace that makes no sense because I built my life on Jesus. He's never let me down. He's faithful through every season. So why would he fail now? He won't. He won't fail. Come on. Woo. The brown bunch says, God turns ashes to miracles. He's not a God that he should lie. He said what he said. Come. And he said it generations ago. He said what he said. Thousand says, I love the story of Joseph and how being in prison was used to get him to Pharaoh. Mind-blowing perspective shift. So many people want to teach about Joseph um, in our context. They want to be like, oh, I've heard this so many times. And I don't know, it frustrates me because I feel like it takes away from the story. They'll be like, oh, Joseph was prideful. That's why he ended up in the pit. No, no. Joseph had to go to the pit. Joseph had to go to slavery. Joseph had to be sold. Joseph had to be falsely accused. That's what we don't understand. We're constantly trying to attribute the, the pains in our lives sometimes to like, oh, well, what did I do to deserve it? Sometimes you didn't do anything. Sometimes that's just the way that the divine GPS is taking your life to get you to where you need to go. We add so much to Joseph's story. It frustrates me so bad when I hear people do that. I'm like, it takes away from the story. It does not say that Joseph was so prideful, so God had to take the pride out of him and sold him. The Bible doesn't say that. When Joseph's brothers get before him, he says, look, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. This was a story of the divine direction of God, not about a punishment. Whew. Lilith says they grew in a land that was not theirs. As we are growing in a world that is not ours, God promises us a kingdom and he will deliver it. Come on. But Jesus, he has not dealt with us after our since since nor uh, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. I'll start where I started this morning. Thank God for being rich in mercy. Come on. The brown bunch says God is incredible. Donita says, Holy Spirit, lead and guide me. I just want to be in the will of God no matter what. Help me to stay focused on you, even in the pain. Allison says he wasn't in prison for his consequence. He was in prison unfairly, but God used it for more. Colina says, I love that instance. I got joy and chaos. I got peace that makes no sense. Amen. Oh my goodness. Come on. Allison says, God knows if there's unjust things, he's still in control. He's still in control. 
he will use the unjust things to get you the promise that he promised. We get from this story that when God promises a thing, nobody or nothing can take it away. The Brown Brunch says God always has a plan, no matter what it looks like. Come on. Raquel says my past proves God's faithfulness and my presence confirms that I got history with God. If he did, if he did it back then, then I know he will do it again. My history proves it. Come on, Donita says, praise God, I need that. Our level of trust does not determine if God will fulfill his promise. We have some weird teaching in the body of Christ. It's like, you know, it's like, oh, well, God won't do what he promised. God won't do what he promised because I don't believe. No, no, no. God is going to do what he said he's going to do. Now we see throughout scripture that when he does it, sometimes it's our responsibility to take hold of it, to trust him, To do, but he's going to do it. That's the thing. He's going to do it. It's, it's done, right? When he said it, no, that goes back. When he said it again, God is not responsible for the promises we made to ourselves. God is responsible for the promises that he made. So when he says a thing, he's going to fulfill what he said he was going to fulfill. The scriptures here said in verse 45, none of the good promises the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. Everything was fulfilled. And we just walked through generations from when the promise was made to when the promise was fulfilled. God, look, he it like he would beat everybody in chess. Let's just be real. God sees the whole board. And we over here thinking, oh, God, you done forgot about me. You done made a mistake. You done promised me something. You're not going to fulfill it. It's not in God's character. He's moving pieces and, and doing things with the board. We don't even know it. Remember, he didn't promise Abraham that Abraham was going to see it. He said, I'm going to do this for you and your descendants. He didn't tell him when. Whew. God is amazing. The brown bunch is the Bible shows us his word is his bond every time. God doesn't break a promise. You understand? God doesn't break a promise ever. We don't see evidence of him breaking a promise ever. Even when humanity doesn't trust him. Because we're going to get into, we think, oh, this is where the story ends. He did all the things. No, no, no. Because Israel is going to go in and out of being able to trust God. Oh, I trust you this minute. I don't trust you this minute. But God remains faithful even when we're not. And we've got to get it out of our mind that God's faithfulness is dependent on our faith. It's not. God's faithful, period. God's faithful, period. Now, sometimes we throw our own selves into turmoil because we don't trust him. And we're just like this. It reminds me. I don't know. So I'm going to say this story real quick. I don't I don't I don't know how to swim. Right. And so 
One day I was trying to learn how to swim and I was in three feet of water. I'm five feet tall, right? <laughs> I go under the water and I get scared. And when I get scared, I come up and I'm flailing around as if I'm drowning. Oh, I'm flailing around. And the lifeguard is staring at me like, is she serious? I'm scared. I'm terrified because I think I'm drowning, not realizing that I'm above the water flailing around. This is what happens oftentimes when we don't trust God. It's not that God is not faithful. It's that now we can't even see his faithfulness. We can't see that we're safe and we're flailing around like, oh my God, I just, I'm about to die. And God's like, you're not, you're not about to die. I'm faithful. Like you're, you're fine. Like you're fine. Right. Our lack of faith causes the flailing, but it doesn't cause God to be unfaithful. We've got to realize that our lack of faith causes us to just be like, <laughs> but it doesn't change God. It doesn't change God. We have to understand that it doesn't make God unfaithful to his promise. God's still going to do what he did, what he said he was going to do. I mean, you got a choice whether you're going to come up flailing all over the place in three feet of water, perfectly fine because God is still faithful. That's your choice. Like, you want to go flailing around lifeguard staring at you? Like, but you're fine. You're okay. Stand up. Breathe. Breathe. You all right. God's promise still good. You okay. Ah! That's what lack of faith does. It doesn't change God. It makes it just makes us look crazy. Right. But it doesn't change him. God is faithful. He remains faithful. He remains faithful. He doesn't check the earth like, hmm, I wonder if I can be faithful today because, oh, yeah, their faith is a little shaky. I can't be faithful today. I'll come back tomorrow. God doesn't do that. He is faithful, period. He said what he said. He's going to do what he said, period. Come on. Woo. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Audrey said, it's a blessing to know that God will eventually use our mistakes for another blessing in the future. Wait on God, he wastes nothing. Come on, he wastes nothing, nothing. He wastes nothing. He wastes absolutely nothing. Anastasia says he makes all things beautiful in his own time. He's never too late or too early. He's always on time. Come on. <laughs> the Brown Bunch, man, you are on fire today, sis. She says, we can't see because we are flooded with temporary emotions. <laughs> we drunk. <laughs> drunk off our pain. Drunk off our fear. <laughs> flailing around looking crazy. But God's sober. He sees, he knows, he's faithful. Come on. Hallelujah. Brandy says, God's plan, he provides us with what we need, when we need it, just enough. Straight and narrow is the path until he says, go, turn, change, stop. Come on. God's faithfulness is not dependent on our faith. He is faithful. Allison says, I love when she says it. Life with God doesn't make it easier, but life with God is different. Come on. 
It doesn't have to be heavy, right? That's what Jesus said. It doesn't have to be heavy. Hallelujah. Come on, Natalia says, he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Come on, Luke 19, 40. By any means, sister, God is faithful. God is faithful. So we need to flip it around. God's faith is not the God's faithfulness is not dependent on my faith. But my faith can be strong because of God's faithfulness. You see, when God makes a promise, sometimes we falsely believe that, oh my gosh, I made a mistake, so therefore God's not going to fulfill his promise. It's my fault. Oh, I ruined it. My family's ruined. Everything is ruined because I wasn't, I didn't have enough faith. No, no, no. God, when God says what he says, he is faithful. Let our faith be rooted in his faithfulness. Don't think that his faithfulness is rooted in my faith. That's not true. God is faithful. Let my faith be rooted in his faithfulness. God is faithful. He's going to do what he said he's going to do. He's going to accomplish the mission that he set out to accomplish. Come on. So let my faith be rooted in God's faithfulness and let not my mind try to convince me or the devil try to convince me that God's faithfulness is dependent on my faith. God's going to do what he said he's going to do. God's going to do what he said he's going to do. Period. He is faithful. Latrice says, I can't swim either, but I remember being little and my brother swimming in the middle of a 25 foot, oh goodness, uh, or more lake with me on his back. She said, I had no fear despite the danger. I trusted my brother. Come on. <laughs> I, I'm not worried about, oh my gosh, I'm on God's back while he's swimming in 25 feet of water. Oh my goodness, I better not have any worry or concern because God might then not be faithful because I don't, no, no, no. Like he's like, stay calm in my faithfulness. I got you. I got you. Oh, Celia says, I have to go, ladies. My husband just realized his car is not where he parked it. It appears it was stolen. Pray for us, please. Let's pray right now. Father God, we lift up Celia and her husband. God, we pray that you will reveal. And Lord God, that this situation would turn out even better for them than they had expected. Lord God, Father, be with them. Give them peace as they go forward in peace in your faithfulness. Lord God, that you will be with them through this entire journey of what they're going through right now. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Continue to pray for Celia. We're going to continue to pray for you throughout the day, sis. Bevy says, delayed gratification does not mean denial. It means it shall come to pass. We have to wait for it. Our God is faithful and it shall come to pass. God is faithful. 
God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. See, this is what we got to remember. The three Hebrew boys remembered it. Look, they wanted to throw them in the fire. God is faithful. I'm not going to bow down to your statue because God is faithful. God is faithful. Joseph went through everything. I mean, Joseph just, oh, but God was faithful. God is faithful. Abraham was was a stranger in a foreign land. Stuff kept happening to him. God is faithful. God is faithful. God will use everything to get you to where he promised that he would put you to get you to where you needed to be. I'm taking a class on ancient slavery and I'm taking it because I struggle with slavery in the Bible because it's in there and I struggle with it. And I wanna be like, God, why would you allow slavery to happen? It's horrible. It is horrible. Slavery is the worst thing ever. It strips people of everything. And it just is horrible. And I'm in tears, just like, God, why? Why? And God has to get me to a place where he's like, look, I will use the foolishness of humanity to do what I promised. That's the hard part of, of, of God's promises. God, God is not, he's like, I will use the foolishness to get humanity to where they're not subject to the lies of the devil anymore. Come on. I will use situations that are uncomfortable. And that's what we have to realize about the promises of God. And it's hard because there's some horrible stuff going on in the world. Horrible. Like you just like, oh, no, is Jesus coming back? Hello. Hello, heaven. Is Jesus coming back? Because, oh. And God is on a mission. What is God's mission? Who remembers? The reconciliation, the redemption and reconciliation of humanity back to him. Why is this so important? Because the devil is playing or thinks he's playing humanity. He thinks he's winning. He thinks this, he thinks that. Look at the look at Job. He thinks that if he does enough horrible stuff, that humanity will then turn their backs on God. But God is like, you know what? I'm going to use 
what you're doing to draw humanity back to me. Because God has no rival. God has no equal. And whatever the devil throws, God's like, I'm going to still do what I'm going to do. God is faithful. And he has a mission. The redemption and reconciliation of humanity back to him. And he will use, he will use the foolishness to draw people to him. There are things in our history that are painful, but if we open our eyes, we will see God using it to get us to where he wants us to be. But in order to see God, we've got to take, we got to put down pain that we're drinking and getting drunk on, put it down for a minute to see. Yes, the past hurt, but, but can I see God in the storm? Can I see how God was moving? Joseph got to the point. Joseph got to the point where he realized my brothers meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. You realize he didn't say God turned it around for good. No, no, no. He said God meant it just as it was for good. God is faithful. In every situation we go through, remind ourselves, God is faithful and he is on mission. Redemption and reconciliation of humanity back to him. God is on mission. And his mission is bigger than just me, bigger than just you, bigger than just my generation, bigger than just my kids' generation. His mission impacts everybody, generations upon generations. And he's faithful. He's faithful to do exactly what he said. Even the things that we don't understand that have happened in the world, we can trust that God was never caught off guard and that God continues to be on mission. Redemption and reconciliation of humanity back to him. I'm going to say this 
and it might sound crazy, but I used to struggle. I'm like, well, God, if you want the redemption and reconciliation of humanity back to you, why did you even allow humanity to fall away in the first place? Why did you even allow humanity to fall away from you in the first place? And one of the things I'm seeing throughout scripture and life is that one powerful thing about humanity. Remember, humanity uh, humanity was designed to have dominion on the earth. That's why we were placed here, to take care of the earth um, with God in mind, doing it the way that he would do it and basically being his ambassadors here on the earth, right? So that's why humanity was designed. And so I'm like, well, God, if you if you are all about the reconciliation, redemption of humanity back to you, why in the world would you allow us to fall in the first place? And God had to show me that one of the most important parts of humanity is choice. Because you you can't lead effectively if you can't think. And because humanity was designed, we have to understand what we were designed to do. But the, 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 ish, the, the, the thing here is that God recognized what he put in humanity and he knew what was going to happen. And we're seeing it throughout that constantly God is giving humanity what? the choice to return to him and those that choose and that's all his business we don't even get it get all caught up in that it they can now govern the world govern the 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 have dominion in the way that god would have like all of this and some of it is too deep for my little mind to even I'm just like, okay, Lord. And he keeps showing me little things. But he's like, look, even the garden, we will be surprised that God used even that. That is how faithful God is. We think he's scrambling to fix a problem that the devil made. And God's like, nah, we right on track. That is how faithful God is. We've got to realize that. That is how faithful God is. That is why we have the opportunity to be in faith and to trust God and not flail around because we realize that God is not shocked. God is not in a wrestling match. God knows what's happening and it's, Trust me, it's right on track. God, it can't be right on track. I just got thrown in a well. Now I'm in slavery. Now they're about to put me in prison for something I didn't do. God's like, trust me, I'm right on track. I'm right on track. It's right on track. It's right on track. God, my ancestors were in slavery for 400 years. It's right on track. It's right on track. Man, God, my family is rejecting me. Everybody done turned. Trust me, trust me. We right on track. We right on track. Don't flail. You only in three feet of water. You all right. You all right. We right on track. I'm faithful. We right on track. God, you promised me a child. My wife's still barren. Like, think about all these people that we write about. 
And God, is she still barren? She getting old, God? She done gone through menopause? Oh, don't worry. We right on track. We right on track. We right on track. We right on track. God, what do you mean I'm going to have a child? I'm a virgin. What you mean? Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. We right on track. We right on track. Oh my goodness, God, the, the man I've been following is on a cross right now. And I thought he was the Messiah. What do you mean? He's dying. He's being crucified. Oh, don't worry. We're right on track. What do you mean? Don't worry, God. He's being crucified. He's dying a death on a cross. Imagine the people standing and watching Jesus. He's dying a death on the cross. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're right on track. We're right on track. Right on track. I know it's hard, but trust me. Right on track. But God, why is the pain necessary? Because pain is temporary. We're right on track. Right on track. We're right on track. Don't worry, we're right on track. Right on track. Right on track. God is faithful. And when we look at how the promises of God come to pass in the scriptures and the pattern of those things, we can recognize that I can't look at my circumstances and determine whether or not God's promises still stand. My circumstances will trick my mind into thinking God has left me. And God's like, I haven't left you. We're right on track. Right on track. Now you can choose to flail in the water or you can trust me, but either way, come on, God's right on track. God's right on track. You can choose to be drunk on your pain and not see how I've moved, but either way, God's right on track. We're right on track. We're right on track. God had to get me to a point. He's like, what's the worst thing that could happen to you or to your loved one? And I'm like, well, we could die a horrible death. I mean, that's me real. I'll be real with God. We could die a horrible death. And God's like, yeah, and then you die and then you're alive again. All pain is temporary. We have to realize that. God's like, I'm, we're right on track. Don't look at pain and say, well, God must not be here because I'm in pain. No, no, no. Trust God. That's my part. God remains faithful, whether I trust him or not. I don't have to flail in the ocean or flailing three feet of water, thinking I'm drowning, 
if God said we're right on track, then believe him. Sis, God is right on track. God is right on track. There is nothing. I know it hurts, but we've got to sober up. There is nothing that the devil can do that will destroy God's plan or destroy me. Because I'm in God. So even if the devil throws death at me, Jesus has already conquered death and the grave. God is right on track. I don't have to flail in the water anymore. God is right on track. There is nothing. There might be temporary pain. Look, I might go through pain for years, but it's still temporary. Pain always has an end. We've got to understand this. Look, it's right on track. Don't allow pain to convince us that God is not faithful. It's, he's right on track. He's right on track. Heather said, my mind is stuck on slavery of black people and suffering of Jews. Honey, my mind gets stuck there too. And God has to say, you have got to open your eyes to my faithfulness in the midst of pain, no matter the pain. I'm faithful in the storm. I'm faithful in the pain. Come on, I am faithful. I will use whatever in order to accomplish the mission that I set aside to accomplish. I'm gonna do it. I'm doing it. You're just so drunk on pain, you can't see it. Put the pain cup down and see my faithfulness. Woo, come on. We've got to get to a point where we realize that God is faithful. He will always be faithful. God has never been defeated. He is faithful. If it happened here on earth, I can guarantee you that God will be faithful through it. He will show his power through it. We've got to open our eyes. God has not gone. He has not left us. He has always been faithful. And God has been constantly showing us, if you would stop looking at the storm, you would realize how big I am. And the fact that through everything, I will be faithful. What is the worst that could happen to you? Death doesn't even have power over you because of the because of the sacrifice of Christ. If we realize that's how faithful God is, the grave has no power. Come on, when you realize how faithful God is, come on. the 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 situation that's hard, God will use that too. That doesn't even have power. Come on. God is faithful. The fact that, that Joseph's family rejected him, that was temporary pain so that God could put him in a place 
where he could save his whole family from a famine. God is faithful. So yeah, it might hurt for a little bit, but God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. We're about to close, but I want you to get this picture in your head. Imagine somebody is training, um, like in martial arts, and they're training in martial arts. And the trainer has them do things that are better painful. Because he knows that this is necessary part of his training. Now, if the trainer kept crumbling every time that person was in pain and was like, oh, oh, I don't want you to be in pain. Never mind. We won't, we won't do this. We won't do this. Oh, if that trainer kept doing that, that person would never learn what they needed to learn. That person would never be able to accomplish the moves that needed to be accomplished. The trainer has to be able to see beyond your pain to the destination. And the trainer has to understand that I know it hurts right now. But it ain't going to, you're going to be all right. And we go into the other side. Same thing with a personal trainer. If, a, if you go to a personal trainer because you want to lose weight or because you want to get healthy, and every time you do a push-up, you'd be like, oh, I can't. And the personal trainer is like, okay, end of training session. I don't want you to feel any type of uncomfort. I don't want you to feel any type of discomfort. We're just going to end the training session right now. Look, if you if you paying good money for a trainer, a personal trainer, and they keep caving every time you feel uncomfortable, look, you ain't going to lose no weight. You ain't going to get healthy. We need a trainer that's like, I know it hurts, but come on. Come on, sis. Get up. You'll be all right. Come on. Push through. It hurts right now, but next week you'll be stronger and the same thing ain't going to hurt you next week. So I need you to get up. I know you ain't never done a push-up in your life and it's real hard, but I need you to do this because in a couple of weeks, you're going to be cranking out these push-ups like it's nothing. I know it hurts right now, but you're going to be shocked at how strong you are. Just keep going. We would never hire a personal trainer that kept caving to our emotions. Oh, you're sad right now. Yeah, go ahead and eat that pint of ice cream. No, we want a personal trainer that's like, put the ice cream down. Let's find a healthier way to deal with your emotions. That's the kind of trainer I want. Somebody that's actually going to help me to get to where I need to go. Somebody that's going to say, no, you can't, come on, April, no, you can't have that chocolate right now. Uh-uh. We got, we got things to do. We got places to go. And that's what, that's what we have to understand about God. God's not caving because we're in pain. It hurts a little bit, but he's like, okay, I know it hurts, but come on. The same thing goes with labor and childbirth. What if I'm on a labor table and I'm like, uh uh-uh, I'm not having this baby. It hurts too bad. It hurts too bad. What is the doctor going to say? Okay, well, we'll start again tomorrow. No, you got to go through this pain. Come on, push. You're all right. Breathe. You got, I can't make the pain stop. But let me tell you, when this baby comes, you're going to be so excited. So honey, I need you to hold on. We're going to go through this pain together, but you got to go through it in order to get to what is to get to the baby. Okay. You got to push. You got to breathe. The doctor can, I mean, now we got medication and stuff like that, but like the doctor 
is not there to make the pain go away. The doctor is typically there to help you through the pain. I had my daughter, Faith, I wanted to have a natural childbirth so bad. And I did with my last child, Faith. I had two C-sections, then I had a vaginal birth that was medicated, and then I had an unmedicated vaginal birth. I have never experienced that level of pain in my entire life. But when I look back at it, I'm like, wow, God, you made our bodies to withstand that level of pain to get to where, come on, it's embedded in even how we bring life. Pain is a part of the process of even how we bring life. It's amazing. And one thing that they show, one thing that they show and one thing I learned through childbirth, and we're about to go, but I just want to share this. One thing I learned through childbirth is it's more painful if you fight it. I learned this through birthing my daughter. God has so many examples for us throughout life. It's more painful if you fight it. If you start clenching your body and fighting against the pain, it's more painful. So the midwives are like, you need to breathe. You need to relax. I know it hurts, but by you clenching your body up and fighting the pain, it's going to hurt worse. The truth of the matter is you're going to have to go through the pain in order to get to the child. You're going to have to go through the pain. But if you clench up, it will be more painful. So I need you to relax. And what they always would say, trust the process. Because when we feel pain, we feel like something's wrong. Something's going wrong. I'm hurting so bad. Nothing's going wrong. It's part of the process. My midwife kept saying to me, trust the process. You've got to trust the process. But it's hurting so bad. Are you sure everything is right? Yes. You've got to trust the process. Same thing with God. We watch him. Throughout the scriptures, there looks like there's so much pain. We watch him throughout history, so much pain. And God is like, you've got to trust the process. God is faithful. The same thing with the with having the baby. You're going to have the baby. <laughs> but you got to trust the process. you got to trust that God is faithful. Ah, hallelujah. We're going to pray. I pray that this is a reminder to us all that when we read verse 45, where it says, none of the good promises the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. Everything was fulfilled. I pray that we remember that in that process was pain. But the faithfulness of God supersedes the pain. I just trust the process. God is faithful trust God. That's my part. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord God. We thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you for how you're doing it. We thank you for the reminder to trust you. We thank you for the reminder to trust you through the pain, through the storm, through the discomfort, through it all. Because you are faithful. You are faithful. None of the good promises that you've ever made, Lord, will fail. Everything that you said would be fulfilled. Jesus Christ is coming back because you said it and we trust it. We trust the process. 
We trust it. Hallelujah. For some people, they've gotten promises from you that you were going to restore their marriage. Lord, we trust you no matter what it looks like right now. For some people, you've made promises that you were going to use them in ministry. And right now they're struggling and it doesn't look like it, but we're going to trust you, Lord, and trust the process no matter what. For some of us, Lord God, you've promised us to have a child and we've gone to doctor after doctor and it doesn't look like it, but we're going to trust the process. We're going to trust you, God. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. Heather says, yes, Abba, I trust you. Come on. Faithful God. Faithful God. Faithful God. Allison says, let's keep our eyes on God, especially when something doesn't make sense. Trust God. Trust the process. Trust the path he is taking you on. I want to encourage you, if this um, ministry has blessed your life in any way, please do me a couple favors. Like, share, and subscribe to this channel. And write your comments of your big takeaways in the comment section. Download the Faith Mama's Tribe app and share it with someone else. Let somebody else know and bring them on in. And lastly, um, consider donating to this ministry. It really does help us. This ministry is run on donations mainly. We have uh, t-shirt sales and other things as well. But it's really, God is really doing an amazing work through people that are willing to donate. It's beautiful. So if you are willing to donate, please do. And we are definitely looking for um, additional patrons that are willing to give monthly, whether it's $5 a month, $10 a month, $20 a month, $100 a month, whatever God leads you to. Um, so yeah, I love you guys. I pray that you have an absolutely amazing Wednesday and that throughout you remember that God is faithful through the storms. God is faithful through the pain and discomfort. God is faithful. Sometimes you just got to remind yourself of that over and over. I love the fact that we can do these super chats. This is amazing. So <laughs> thank you so much for the super sticker. That's really cool. Um, that's really cool. And you guys, I just want to say that the reason that we qualify for these is because when we got that a thousand subscribers, I didn't know that we would qualify for all this stuff, which is really, really cool. So, so the fact that you guys are supporting the channel, the fact that you guys are subscribing and sharing and things like that, it really does make a big impact. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love you guys. Have an amazing Wednesday. I'll see y'all in the app and I'll see y'all tomorrow, Lord willing, as we jump into Joshua chapter 22. Joshua chapter 22. Bye for now.